I see that everybody found the room okay. Um, really glad to see everybody here. We have Alex here from Cyprus. Watch that man. <laughs> All right, praise the Lord. After uh, Eurocon, um, I go with a team to Bulgaria. And uh, how many of you have been to Bulgaria before? One. Hallelujah. Well, that means we need to go, right? Two. We have one. And we have one Bulgarian here. So if you talk to her, she's going to persuade you to have a vision for our country. Uh, I've never been to Bulgaria. It's, I think the only... There's only two countries in Europe that I have not been to. That's Bulgaria and Romania. So, we are going to go. Okay, so the... Um, the class this morning is about team building, and I'm really blessed to be able to speak with you about this in this cold room, and, but it's, praise the Lord, it's hot in our hearts. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. Lord, we ask you to bless this time of teaching in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to just teach here this morning. And what I'd like to do is talk about the subject of team building from the perspective of um, the grace of God. And from the perspective, two perspectives, from the leadership side and from the team member side. And I want us to go to um, one scripture in Nehemiah chapter 4. And let's read that together. Nehemiah chapter 4. And we're going to look at verse 6. And there's a few verses that we want to look at this morning. We may not be able to turn to them all. And here is Nehemiah narrating the process of building the wall around Jerusalem. When the Jews were allowed to return to Jerusalem after captivity, only 2% returned. Imagine that. The Jews had, had been exiled to Babylon. And when the doors open for them to return, only 2% returns. Is that amazing? And that is a really important point because God does not use everybody to build teams and the work of God. 
dolog, mert Isten nem használ mindenkit arra, hogy csapatot építsen, és hogy Isten munkájában Many times we look at our teams, and we seem to see a very small percentage of people out of the body of Christ. And that's okay. Because that's the principle of Gideon and his army. God doesn't need a lot of people. Uh, he needs just a 2%. And so we are that 2% here this morning. You are, you and I are the 2%. Uh, in our church, Greater Grace, the Bible speaks, uh, I believe that our God gave our church a revelation of team concept. God has given other churches other gifts and other portions. But I had uh, one new guy tell me in our church. He said, I've never met a more Spartan church than Greater Grace. Spartan. Uh, I don't know if you know what that means, but like radical, ready for battle, ready to get dirty, ready to fight the lions, ready to fight big people bigger than us many times because we're a team. In Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 6 it says this, So built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together into half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. Now the word mind in the Hebrew is not mind. It's heart. The people had a heart to work. And I'm just going to read a few verses and make some comments. That, that um, team building begins with heart. We cannot build a team without heart. Uh, the second verse is Acts 20, verse 4. And we see Paul traveling with a group of men. A group of men as they traveled. And this is another aspect of team. That we are building men. We're building men. We are not against women, of course. Uh, women are amazing. And, but we really are looking and praying for, in Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 20 is about the subject of raising up leaders. And that's what we do as a team. And in Acts 17, verse 15, and verse 33, and also in Acts chapter 18, verse 1, we see that Paul is in Athens. Acts 17, 15, and 
In Acts chapter 18, verse 1, Paul is in Athens without a team. And what does he do in Athens without a team? Very little. And then he leaves. So we see that we don't, we don't function well or at all without a team. We need a team. And so that's we so we start here with this. In Philippians chapter one verses one through ten. If you read these verses, you see the affection that Paul had for his team, for his people. I want us to take a moment and just read those verses together quietly. And just read those verses. Philippians chapter 1. Uh, verses 1 through 10. And we'll just take a moment of quiet here and I'll let you read those verses. As you're reading that, notice Paul's conversation or his mentality towards his team. He said, I thank God upon remembrance of you. He said, I, he says, I'm praying all the time for you. He said, he spoke about the fellowship in the gospel. He spoke about his confidence about each team member. That God was doing a great work in every team member. We see that a leader builds his team. And that's really important. That a leader really has to spend a lot of time building and investing in his team. <coughs> in the world, what you see happen is you go to work <coughs> and your boss tells you what to do. Just tells you what to do. And he doesn't necessarily love you or encourage you necessarily. And he gives you a task. And if you don't fulfill the task, the way he wants it done, then he's not very happy with you. And so you see a real relationship of performance. But that is not the way a team works in the body of Christ. 
the pastor or the leader is not dictating tasks with dis- being displeased if they're not done correctly. The pastor has to have a lot of grace and a lot of affection and investment in his people. Because without that investment, then if you're really a hardcore team member, you can do it. Sooner or later he may lose his team members. It's just very important. How many of you are leaders of some kind of a team, of one kind of a team or another? Raise your hand. How many of you lead a group of two people or more? All right. Uh, how many of you are husbands and have a family? Okay, so you're a leader in your family. Okay. How many of you are, well, I hope there's no pastors here because they should all be at the pastors. The importance of investing in the team. It's all about your heart. An attitude. The way a leader thinks about his team privately in his mind affects everything. Because people are, we are not dumb. That if someone if someone is not happy with me as a leader, it comes across in the tone of my words. If I'm a leader and I'm disappointed in somebody, everything I say to that person is going to have the fragrance of dissatisfaction, discontentment. People are not motivated by a carrot. They're not motivated by incentives. És az embereket nem a sárgarépa, meg nem a mindenféle ilyen motiválódók motiválódók, hanem a kegyelem. When we have, when, when the picture is bigger than people's performance on the team, és amikor a, a csapatban a kép nagyobb, mint az emberek teljesítménye, and the result is, is that people are motivated. Akkor ennek az az eredménye, hogy az emberek motiváltak ezt, megtalálják a helyüket. If the leader has a vision, hogyha a vezetőnek van látása, God, a Isten vision, nagy látása, love, amit szeretet hozott létre, and desire, és az a vágy, then people will find their place on the team, az emberek megtalálják a helyüket a csapatban, without necessarily being delegated a position. Or office. If you and I have a vision for what God has given us, then the result will be that people will find their place. Because the Holy Spirit is a spirit of liberty. And as a leader, I need to, I need, as a leader of a team, I need to look for three things. I need to guard three things. Number one, how I think about my team privately in my heart. Okay, number two. I need to I need to um, be in prayer 
And number three, I need to be looking at a big God that is bigger than myself. And I need to, number four, I need to guard the environment of the team. Because when people make mistakes, there's a context that is bigger that is bigger in love. You know, we might have a really good operation going on on the team. But sooner or later, someone's going to mess up. You know, probably the pastor more than everybody else. And we have to have a context that's bigger than performance. Whenever you lose your joy, as a pastor or as a leader, then the context is not love. It's performance. And it's no different than a corporation. Right? Right? So the pastor really needs to guard his heart. Uh, or the leader. And I know there's no really any pastors here, but uh, as a leader or maybe someone listening to this recording they find the application for themselves. So the team is all that Paul would invest in. There's a great need for investment in the team. And the team cannot grow without investment. There must be an impartation of love, care, affection, and intimacy. And if there's more talk about people's performance and their responsibilities than vision and love and the word, then the team does not become anything more than a religious machine that's just grinding through the task list. How many know what I'm talking about? How many, have ever been, how many have ever been on a team and it's all been all about the task list? Whether in the world or wherever. Okay, let's go to the next point. Let's start talking about team members. Some of us are very task oriented, like I am. I'm very, I'm very oriented to task lists. Bullet points and checking the box off. Who's doing what? And emails and text messages. And anyone that's ever been working out, has ever worked on my team, either, either enjoys that or just gets really annoyed by my emails and my text messages. You know. So don't, you know. 
Seven characteristics of an effective team member. Actually, eight. The first, the and this is not really official, but it's very important for the pastor and for the leader. Team members that are effective always bring the leader coffee in the morning. Like they say in Cyprus, coffee. <laughs> Number one, this is very important. <laughs> they always bring coffee to the pastor. <laughs> or in China, it's tea. <laughs> Green tea. I'm, I'm joking, please. Uh, so, and if it's finished coffee, then that's really good. Yeah. When I lived in Poland with Pirio and team there, Pirio just came in. Uh, I was this poor single American guy there. Pirio was there. Uh, Rita was there. Anne was there for a little bit, uh, and some other fins. And uh, I had no money. I had no, no money. I had no money for anything. You know, I had to pray every day for my daily bread. I go to the team meetings and. Ulitsa Hochimska. Remember those? And. Uh, We just crawl there, you know, early in the morning to watch a video from Baltimore. And, uh, you know, Finns were always making the coffee there. And so they would pour it through this cup thing, you know, this, this. And because they didn't have a lot, because they didn't have a lot, they would pour us uh, after them. <laughs> the leftover grinds. <laughs> They're all drinking their coffee, and then we're like, we're like, you know, can we please have the grinds? We'll just eat them, you know. <laughs> no, it was really great working with the Finns. The Finns always thought that we didn't understand what they were saying in Finnish. So, but we learned. We learned. So, praise the Lord. Remember talking to Aya about Poland before I moved there, 1986. And it was, you know, if you ever want to get motivated to go in the mission field, talk to a godly woman about the mission field that they are we started taking trips to Cyprus because of Sophie and, and Lizzie they were like talking to us about Cyprus and now Marie is talking to us about Bulgaria you know so it's great isn't it having a vision so that's that's number one but don't it's not really number one Uh, if the pastor doesn't drink coffee, then consider a different team, maybe. <laughs> so number one. Number one. Um, 
As a team member, we want to always be spirit-filled, Ephesians 5.18. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. Every morning, just making, just praying that prayer. Lord, fill me today, quicken Because when we wake up, there are demons that are just ready to jump on us with the details of the day. Some of us really have a bad habit of before we pray or open our Bible, we're reading our emails and our text messages. And then after we do that, we read and pray and we're thinking about all the details. Be filled with the Spirit. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit in your life. Guards your heart. Like we heard last night. Because in a new church plant, in a new, in a new work, when you're dealing with a lot of new people, there's a potential for a lot of carnality. A lot of people don't understand maybe, uh, where you're coming from because they haven't had that teaching. So being spirit-filled, Galatians 5.24, being filled with the Spirit. Because if we're filled with the Spirit, then we're going to bear fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Without the Spirit of God, the team turns into a religious machine, grinding out the details. And then we're running over people. It's like a big tank. Just going through like our daily, our daily schedule. And, the, and it's funny, the whole operation that is there with a mission turns into a machine that just runs people over. And that comes by, and that, that comes by taking up a daily cross. Number two, Matthew 20, verse 28. Matthew 20, verse 28. My attitude as a team member is, I'm here to serve. He's here to serve. I am nobody. I am just part of the team. You know, I am hidden. You know, we, we live in a society now because of social media that it becomes very voyeuristic and a, a, a lot of display about what I am doing it has become very narcissistic in a lot of ways. Uh, in America, in the United States, uh, we find when people come to my church in Philadelphia, I, I mean, it's amazing, it's great. When they, when they come, the first thing they want is they want something to do. Because in the States, we derive a lot of our personal value from what I'm doing. 
mert az államokban a személyes értékünket abból merítjük, amit csinálunk. És amikor az emberek idősebbek lesznek, vagy valami miatt képtelenek, mert teljesítenek, úgy érzik, hogy haszontalanok és értéktelenek. Azért vagyunk itt, hogy szolgáljuk. You know, I never knew what my position was on the team in Poland. I'm just here to serve, and if somebody else gets promoted, praise the Lord. I had a great experience in Poland. I'm just Today we have four churches there. We have Polish pastors, these are men that were in our Bible college classes. I remember meeting Pastor Maciek Niemczak on the street next to a friend of his. And it was one, it was one evening outreach before Bible school. And he and his buddy Damian were sitting there on a bench doing nothing. And we were like, what are you guys doing? And they said, nothing. And I said, why don't we just come, why don't you come to Bible school with us? We're here to serve. Number three. First John 3, verse 16. We're here to lay down our lives. We're here to lay down our life. And we're not dictating everything. I'm not dictating, you know, sometimes... We are so we can be so filled with ourselves that we are just like telling everybody what to do. And we need to relax, calm down, and just go with the flow of the leadership and the vision of the Holy Spirit and what God is doing. The next one, number four, uh, Acts chapter 16, verse 10. And Habakkuk 2, verse 2, and verse 3 and 4, is that we want, as a team member, to own the vision. Habakkuk 2, verse 2, and 3 and 4, and 1 John 3, verse 16. We own the vision. It's not just the pastor's vision, but it's also something that I want in my heart also. If we find ourselves saying, well, that's what he wants to do, or that's what they want to do, or that's what, you know, whenever we talk like that, we are separating ourselves from the unity of the vision. On the team, we, God wants to baptize us into a team where we share the vision that comes from the head. Number five. Uh, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Is that 
We need to be personally disciplined in our thinking. Fontos, hogy személyesen fegyelmezettek legyünk a gondolkodásunkban. Personally disciplined in our private thinking. Ahogy magunkban gondolkodunk, fegyelmezettek legyünk. Very important. Number one. Ez abból ez kellett volna, hogy az első helyre Number two after you drink coffee. But it really, this is important because. If I'm not disciplined in my thinking, I'm going to have just an uncontrolled mind, and I'm going to be complaining in my heart. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 says, don't be quick to utter anything in your heart. If I secretly have trouble with another person or with a leader. I need to resolve that with God. And guess what? This may happen a lot. It actually may happen over and over. Maybe even with the same person. And every time it happens, we need to go to the cross and God, I just surrender this to you. And we need to, in Matthew, we need to in Matthew 18, 15, maybe go to that person alone and speak with them and say, Not in, an, not in an accusatory tone. But just in a in a, in a in Ephesians 4, we want to guard the unity. This is so important. We underestimate how important this is. Unity on the team. I want to talk about that in a minute. The next thing is we never talk about people behind their backs. Uh, Proverbs 16, verse 28. Never, ever, ever, ever talk about another person behind their back. Never. And if somebody comes to you to speak to someone, if someone comes to you to speak to you about someone on the team or the past, Sometimes that some people feel it's very flattering to hear negativity about somebody else. I'm so important. They're coming to me. Talk about their trouble. What you need to do is realize that if they're coming to you to talk to somebody, to talk to you about somebody else, then it's only a matter of time before they talk about you to somebody else. Number seven, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16, chapter 10, verse 3. That familiarity kills people and On a small team or in a small church, you see a lot of people. I mean, you see the same people a lot. And it's very easy for us to get to know each other's flesh. Or funny characteristics. Or And familiarity removes the honor and the magnificence and the 
mystery of what we're doing on the team. Elveszi annak a méltóságát, meg a nagyszerűségét, meg a rejtélyességét, amit csapatként együtt teszünk. I think some leaders know how to demand from people respect and honor. When you are with them, uh, you, they just naturally demand respect. They just, you just, you know. But there are other leaders that, that are not that way. And in their personality, they may be very friendly and talkable talk, talk with you. We have to really guard that we don't become familiar with the with the with the leader. Because, because then because what that does is it breaks down the the miracle the miraculous spirit of what we're doing on the team. Do you know what I'm saying? How do you understand what I'm saying? That, like, if I'm familiar with, with the team, then I'm going to say stuff like, oh, they always do that. And, and then in our thinking, we start projecting things on them. The team needs to be in environments where there is growth. De a csapat olyan környezet kell, hogy legyen, ahol van növekedés és szeretet. És ahol az emberek elbukhatnak. Mert hogyha az emberek ott vannak a csapatban, de nem érzik azt, hogy elbukhatnak. We have to be careful too. Is that, is that the team does not become a soul power click? You know what I'm because if if a, if a team becomes so tight that there's no freedom to, to be in the body with the liberty of joy and that Paul spoke about in the or it could be a religious spirit we really need to be careful of that that we do not become in bondage to a group or a team. If I'm a pastor and I come to Eurocon and I don't let my team be free in the body, then I have a control problem. And I'm not, I'm not saying that we have that problem. I'm saying that, that as a leader we need to be careful that we don't become controlling people Okay. I want to finish just quickly here because uh, we're running out of time. Um, maybe we just talk about uh, seven things that that help with unity on the team. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You know, I just want to say, like, really pray for your leader. Pray for leadership. Because they face a lot of things that you and I don't. You know, sometimes you look at a leader and you see them always just doing great, like, 
preaching, leading. And you think, oh, they have no problems. But the truth is, is that the devil's really focusing on him. Because if he can, if he can take out the shepherd, then the sheep will be scattered. You always notice that the devil will go after the leader. Who did Jesus say in Matthew 16, the devil wants to sift you? Peter. He said that to Peter. I really pray for your Peter. Okay, seven, just seven things uh, that help us produce you, that keep the unity in 1 Corinthians 13. Number one, uh, let's be careful that we don't become too sensitive. Like if we're getting offended a lot, we need to we need to, we need to check our ego at the door. You know, there's no place for the ego. You know, we have this great open door before us. Uh, there's no room for the flesh. Um, you know, number two. Um, we really want to be careful we don't embarrass people. Uh, you know, sometimes we will do things and maybe somebody gets offended. Uh, we need to go to a person and just uh, just have a talk and say, you know, I, I re didn't realize that I offended you. Uh, that can happen. And so the love of God in 1 Corinthians 13 doesn't embarrass. It's not suspicious. And we heard Pastor, Pastor Schaller talk about this uh, Monday, I believe, at the lunch round. That it's not suspicious. The way the devil can break down a work of God is for pastors and leaders and individuals to become suspicious of each other. Also, the way we keep unity on the team is listening. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 12. We are that we are listening to messages from Baltimore, from, from wherever we can get messages to encourage ourselves build ourselves up from grace preachers. And we have a lot, of course, in our ministry here uh, not despising preachings. If I'm a team member and I start getting critical of the messages, Then I can be that I'm arrogant. I'm proud. You know, if I if I go to Bible college and then come back to my home country and criticize everything the pastor's doing, that is just arrogance, isn't it? It's just, I mean. Like, you know, when you when we come back from Bible college, we're here to be a servant and to encourage and to help build up not compare them to everybody else. And so we want to... Um, 
We want to not despise preaching. Another one is, um, you know, sometimes there are just some weird circumstances that, that may happen And, you know, love covers a lot of things. Uh, again, because we have old sin natures. And if a relationship on the team gets strained or weird, we need, to get in, we need to get immersed in the love of God and God conscious and vision conscious and grace conscious and, and, and gospel conscious and not people conscious because conflicts are going to happen. But you know what's bigger than conflicts? The gospel, the vision. You know, we have a world to evangelize. We don't have time. We don't have time to get all wrapped up in little arguments. You know, like, well, you didn't, you didn't do that right. And you always don't do that right. And I told you that last time. And why didn't you do that? And this is not right. And it's like, what happens? The, the vision begins to be dwindled down to just task. Uh, and then the last one is the love of God makes the weakest team member used by God. Isten szeretete miatt Isten a leggyengébb csapattagot is használja. Szeretete a csapatban meg tudja erősíteni a leggyengébb csapattagot is. Yeah. And then the seventh one, one that I missed here is that um, when we go with the flow of the team that produces unity. Hey, maybe a mistake was made. Maybe a decision was not made properly. Maybe something could have been done better. And that'll happen. You know, leadership's going to make mistakes. And maybe it turns out that you were right and he was wrong. And if it's not a major serious thing, then we don't need to walk around like, well, they didn't listen to me and now look what happened. We go with the flow of the team. And maybe just because I don't understand something, it just may be God's will to do it Because above all, we want to we want to endeavor to keep the unity. And guard the love of God on the team. And kill negativity and kill criticism. We want to just throw unbelief out the door. We never want to gossip. And I'll finish with this principle. Is that 
We've seen this many times if you've ever been on a church planting team. The way the team is is the way the church is going to probably grow. If the team is tight, if the team is loving, if there's love on the team, if there's vision in the team, if there's teaching on the team, And that is going to spread to the church. I like to look at as a, look at a team as a team is like pregnant. With something that's hidden and it's growing. And that's Christ. And we go to another place. And we go into labor. And you know, we give birth to a church. And that culture on the team, the atmosphere on the team, the joy on the team, is going to have everything to do with the way the church goes. And if the team is complaining about the culture, or the people, then it's dead in the water. Okay? So that's a lot of different stuff. That helps. I'm still growing myself. But this is a great crew tonight. Good crowd. So we are excited. How many people are here that are part of a team of some kind? Who is not part of a team but wants to be a part of a team? Wow. Mission accomplished. Great. Perfect. Okay, let's close in prayer. Um,